Yeah, it's, um, it is true. People are kind of shocked when they hear that I'm part gangster, part pastor. Uh, but it's in my blood. My grandfather actually worked for a guy named Al Capone. And so it's, uh, it's really a true story. So I have excuses when I kind of go crazy, you know. So, or when you're assigned a difficult passage, you've got to be part gangster to handle it. So uh, it's funny how Pastor Tim goes away and gives the guest speaker the hard passage, right? So we all... Read that a few minutes there earlier, and you see there's a whole lot of stuff in that passage to talk about. So I have the privilege of uh, being part pastor, part gangster, and unpacking this passage with you this morning. And we're going to zero in on a part of it I think is probably most relevant to where we are, where you are. And so I'm really glad to be here with you. And so let me kind of preface uh, today's talk with my own experience. I... um, Moved into the Central Corridor uh, a few years ago. We actually live in Uptown Phoenix, I think not far from Pastor Tim. And uh, when we bought our house, we got an old house. We really wanted to get an old house moving into the Central Corridor. And so we found an old house with a lot of character in it. And one of the things that we loved about the house from the very beginning was uh, a citrus tree in the front yard. You see, there used to be orchards right here in the center of the city back in the day. And so in the yards around the ranch-style homes, between the sevens especially, there's uh, existing old orange trees in there that are still bearing fruit. And so uh, I was really excited to find that in our front yard there was an existing old citrus tree. And so we bought our house and we moved in and I was really excited about it. And I asked the former owner, tell me about that citrus tree out front. And he said, it's no good. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, you said, well, it produces some fruit, but the fruit doesn't taste good. It's not edible fruit. And so I was so frustrated by that. I thought, you got to be kidding me. We move all the way down here. We get our citrus tree, and it doesn't produce edible fruit. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. So instead of being defeated, I got to work. And I said, I'm going to fix this thing. And so I got in there, and I, I did some deep waterings on the tree. Uh, I put some fertilizer down. And I did some pruning on the tree and worked with it. And over the course of the next few months, uh, it began to sprout fruit. And then we kind of, you know, bit our tongue when we actually pulled the fruit off and took a taste. But finally, we ate the fruit and ended up being phenomenally juicy and delicious. And so the fruit actually became good. And the moral of the story as I'm doing this and living this out is that in order to produce good fruit, you got to have a what? A healthy tree. There's got to be a healthy tree, a really good root in order to produce good fruit. And so even a tree that is unhealthy can be made healthy if it is nurtured and cared for and fertilized and pruned. And so here we are today talking about fruit. And so what I want to do today is focus in on that passage we looked at, specifically, I think, verses 15 to 20, about bearing fruit. That really is the heart of what Jesus is getting at here because he lifts out this theme that is developed throughout the entire New Testament. And Jesus really borrowed it from John the Baptist who preached before him about fruit and the bearing of the fruit of the kingdom of God. And so the listeners that Jesus is talking to are familiar with the concept of bearing fruit. And here in the Sermon on the Mount, he brings this message up, and he talks about how we will recognize people by their fruit. And so today I want to ask and answer two questions. Number one, 
what is good fruit? And number two, how do we bear it? So let's focus on the first one of those questions. What is good fruit? What is Jesus talking about when he mentions bearing good fruit? He says, you will recognize them by their fruits. And in fact, he says that twice. And who's the them? He's talking about the teachers, the people who come and and teach you truth. And he said, you will recognize them. In other words, you will distinguish them by the fruits of their lives. And so he tells us to look at their lives, look at how they live, look at what they do, look at what they say, and that will give you evidence as to who they really are. And of course, this applies not just to teachers, it applies to believers too. There's a reality of recognizing people and who they really are by what fruit comes out of their lives. So the heart of this passage is that Jesus is challenging his listeners to take a look not just at the lives of others, but at their own lives. Who am I? And what kind of fruit comes out of my life? What does that fruit look like? Is it good fruit or is it bad fruit? And what does it reveal about me and who I am? And so Jesus here says, you will recognize them by their fruits. So what exactly did he mean by fruits? And of course, he's speaking figuratively here and not literally. You and I don't actually sprout oranges on our fingers. He's comparing us to trees. And so in other words, you're a tree. I'm a tree. We're all trees. In this analogy that Jesus is using. And trees, what do they do? That fruit trees bear fruit. Apple trees bear apples, orange trees bear oranges, fig trees bear figs, grapes bear grapes, right? And Jesus said, you'll recognize them by their fruits. And one of the things that comes up here is a question about why Jesus says fruits. What does he mean by fruits? Well, the word for fruit here occurs 66 times in the New Testament, and the word is karpos. And the word karpos can be rendered differently depending on the context of the passage. So if you look at the verses here, actually, in verse 15 to 20, you're going to find that the word occurs here and is rendered differently. In verse 16, he says, you will recognize them by their fruits. And then he talks about fruit. In verse 17, every healthy tree bears good fruit but diseased tree bears bad fruit. Healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Does anybody have a question about why he says fruits and then fruit? Why is it rendered that way? Well, it's a really important distinction, and here is the distinction. The context determines it. The word karpos, when it is rendered in English is rendered as fruit when it is referring to the whole of something, like an entire category of something. So, for example, in Galatians 5, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We actually say the fruit of the Spirit and not the fruits of the Spirit because we're thinking about the entire character of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control are all facets of a divine Christ-like character. So the thought in terms of the whole. So when you see the word fruit in the New Testament, 
it's rendered that way because it's referring to an entire category. And that's important because Jesus creates two categories of fruit. The first is good fruit, and the second is bad fruit. There are two whole categories. There's good fruit over here, and there's bad fruit over here. And he says in those categories, two different kinds of trees produce them. The healthy tree bears good fruit, and the diseased tree bears bad fruit. So there are these entire categories of fruit, either good or bad, and then within those categories, there are various kinds of fruits. You hear the difference? So in a category, there are fruits, and the fruits, when it's rendered that way, refers to all the various kinds of fruits, all the various types of fruits. For example, we might say there's a fruit bowl, and in the fruit bowl, there is grapes and oranges and apples and whatever else you put in there. So it's a fruit bowl with all kinds of various fruits in it. Are you following me? The category is fruit, and inside the category are various kinds or types of fruits. So the Bible distinguishes between the category and the various kinds. And so when you take good fruit, for example, in the category of good fruit, there are various kinds of good fruits, all kinds of productive fruits that are in this category. And so in the Bible, we see a description of the various kinds of good fruit that fit in this bowl. For example, in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about how there is a fruit for God and then there's a fruit for death. Again, those two categories. There is the fruit that comes from God, then there's a fruit that comes from death. And underneath that are all the various kinds. Likewise, in Romans chapter or Galatians chapter 5, Paul contrasts the fruit of the Spirit with the works or the fruit of the flesh. So once again, there's the categories, the fruit of the Spirit bowl and the fruit of the flesh bowl. So there is good fruit and there's bad fruit. And I'm not going to spend this morning delineating all the kinds of bad fruit you can read all about them throughout the New Testament. I want to focus in on good fruit. Let's start with the positive. In that bowl of good fruit, there are various kinds of fruits, and we're looking to identify what qualifies as good fruits. What are the various kinds of fruits? And so if you're taking notes this morning, I want to give you the six types of good fruits in the New Testament. If you've ever wondered... Okay, well, what are the good fruits? What are those things that Jesus and the apostles would be referring to? And these six types of fruits are, are brought up throughout the New Testament. And so here are the six categories. Are you ready? Number one, Christian character. Christian character is a type of fruit in the bowl. It is one type. And so by Christian character, we're referring to the qualities that define a man or a woman that are divine-like, that are Christ-like. Character or fortitude is who you are on the inside. It is those attributes that are like Jesus. In Galatians 5.22, in that famous passage on the fruit of the Spirit, there is that phrase, fruit of the Spirit, and in that bowl are all the fruits that make up that bowl. 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are character attributes like Jesus. So that would be one example of fruits that you and I are to cultivate in our lives. Another category would be good works. And this is the one in view in verses 21 and following, where Jesus talks about the good works that give evidence to who we really are. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul uses the phrase, the fruit of righteousness. And then in verse 22 later, he talks about fruitful labor. So there is another kind of fruit, which is not who we are on the inside. It's what we do. It's our actions. It's our deeds. And those would be fruits in the bowl, good fruits that God is looking for in our lives. And then third, there is successful evangelism. Not just evangelism, but successful evangelism. What's the difference? Well, evangelism is going and sharing your faith with somebody else and telling them about Jesus, but there's no guarantee they're going to respond and accept Jesus. Successful evangelism is also called completed evangelism when you share your faith and someone actually responds and accepts Christ as their Savior, their Lord. And so when the Bible talks about bearing good fruit, it refers also to successful evangelism when people come to Jesus. That is fruit. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul writes about the gospel bearing fruit. The gospel, when it grows and it spreads, bears fruit as people join the church and become part of the body of Christ. The fourth category is genuine worship. That is another kind of fruit that fits in the bowl. In Hebrews 13, verse 15, the phrase that the author uses is the fruit of the lips. It's the praise to God. It's what you've been doing this morning as we sang songs to Jesus. That's called the fruit of the lips. The fruit is the word that you sing to proclaim his glory and worship him. That sincere kind of worship is another kind of fruit in the bowl. That's good fruit. And then there is fifth, sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving is another type of fruit in the bowl. One thing interesting in the Bible, when you look at the Old Testament and it's developed and carried over into the New Testament, is what's called the principle of first fruits. Have you heard that term before? The principle of first fruits. And that principle is that uh, throughout the Old Testament, when you would cultivate your crops you would actually give the first portion or the best part of your crops, whatever fruit or vegetables or barley, whatever it is you're growing, you would present them to God as a gift to him. And so that would be also known as a tithe that you would give back to the Lord, that 10%. So the first fruits, that principle is born out of the Old Testament and it is developed in the New Testament and Paul lifts it up and talks about it in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians For example, in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2, he talks about the first portion or the first fruits. He instructs the church there at Corinth. He said, just as I told the church at Galatia, you are to take the first fruit of what God has given you and to give it away. That is another kind of fruit that fits in the bowl. Are you tracking with me here? And then fifth, and this might be the, in fact, it is the most important one, The sixth kind of fruit that the New Testament talks about is loving others. Loving others. And in fact, this would be number one. 
easily be the, at the top of the list. When it comes to all the fruit in the bowl, this would be the fruit on the very top of the bowl. This would be the one that everybody wants to eat. It is the most luscious, the most powerful and descriptive. It is the one that we all desire. And so loving others would be the ultimate manifestation of bearing fruit. How do I know that? Because in John chapter 15, Jesus in this great sermon talks about bearing fruit and how he wants us to bear fruit and how he wants that fruit to abide or to remain. And he goes right into saying what that fruit is. And he says that fruit is loving one another. Do you remember when he says, they will know you are my disciples by how you love one another? That's the fruit he's talking about. So in the words of Christ himself, the ultimate kind or type of fruit in the bowl of good fruit is not just loving God, but loving others. It is the most important thing. And so if you want to be a man or a woman who bears good fruit, who produces good fruit, then you want to produce love. And that's what we're supposed to be known for. It's what the world is supposed to observe in the life of the church. It's what draws them in. Loving others is the ultimate kind of fruit. So I've just given you these six categories, character, works, evangelism, worship, giving, and loving. Those are the six types of good fruit that are outlined in the New Testament. And so when you look at this passage and Jesus is talking about recognizing them by their fruits, you can take all those things in mind and you can look at them in the lives of others or the life of yourself and ask yourself some questions. Do I see those kinds of fruit in their life? Is there Christian character? Is there good deeds? Is there worship? Is there giving? Are they loving other people? Those are the types of questions you ask yourself about whether there is good fruit manifesting in my life. And so the opposite would be the bad fruit, and it would be the absence of all those things. It would be the opposite of all those types. That's the bad fruit. And so Jesus here says, you will recognize them by their fruits, the good or the bad. In the Greek language, the, the words here for bearing fruit is carpo foreo. And it's a combination of two Greek words, karpos for fruit. And then secondly, the other word is poieo, which in the Greek means literally to do or to create or to manifest or to bear. So to bear or produce fruit is to actually bring something out. In other words, it is the culmination of who you really are. Who you really are manifests and produces itself in your life. And so when Jesus talks about recognizing fruits, he's talking about the things you see in your life and the life of others. It is visible. It is audible. It's how you live. It's who you are. It's what you say. It's what you do. This is the fruit. And Jesus says, this is how you will spot good trees from bad trees, healthy trees from diseased trees. And so this is the ultimate marker to find out, okay, what do we look at in our lives? Is there something we need to examine in our lives relevant to what Jesus is saying here? Because these are some pretty strong words about those who are good and those who are bad, those who are healthy and those who are not. So the question you have to ask yourself is, am I a healthy tree? How healthy am I? If I'm a tree and you're a tree, then the question is, how healthy am I? Because that's the first question. See, here's the thing about trees. Fruit trees produce fruit. 
You don't have to coach them to do it. They just do it. Fruit will come. Any fruit tree will produce fruit. And the only question is, what kind of fruit will it produce? So the reality here is looking at that fruit that manifests in my life, that produce that comes out of my life, helps me understand and helps me see who I really am in here. And Jesus says it helps you spot false teachers, helps you spot false prophets. This is important stuff. So I think the most important question here, though, and the second question I want to ask here is not just what is good fruit and what are the fruits in the bowl of good fruit, but perhaps even more importantly is how do we bear good fruit? This is an important question. How do you and I bear good fruit? And so I want to give you three things that you can do to bear good fruit. And I think these will be really useful to you. I hope that they are. Because oftentimes we talk about the need to bear good fruit and we say, you know, go bear good fruit. And we don't talk about how to do it. So this is very practical information when the Bible talks about how do I bear good fruit? How do I, as a healthy tree, produce something good in my life? And so we're going to get some answers here today based on the scripture. And so let me give you the three ways we can bear good fruit. First, in order to bear good fruit, we must be connected. We must be connected. In John 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Do you know that verse? It's a phenomenal teaching where Jesus said, really in reality, I am the trunk of the tree. I am the vine. You're just the branch. And if you want to produce fruit, it's got to go through me. And reality is branches without trunks don't produce fruit, do they? What happens to branches that are not attached to a trunk? It's not a hard question. Anybody? They die. That's right. Branches without a trunk and out a connection to the root, they die. And what do they do with branches that die? Put them in the fireplace. Cook dinner. So Jesus said here, understand that in order to produce fruit in your life, you need to abide in me. The word abide means to, it's meno, it means to remain, it means to stay, literally it means to roommate with. Jesus said, you want to produce good fruit, be my roommate. Move in with me. Because what happens with roommates? They rub off on each other, don't they? You ever had a roommate and you found that you like slowly over time kind of become like them? <laughs> you share certain qualities together and starting the same kind of foods and waking up and going to bed in the same schedule. And I mean, there's something about living together that changes you and makes you more like each other. And so Jesus here gives an invitation. If you want to produce good fruit in your life, then move into my life and let's be roommates because I'll rub off on you and become more like me. And here's the thing, stay with me. You cannot bear good fruit apart from Christ. So that suggests, number one, if you don't know Jesus, you've got to enter into relationship with him and get connected to him. He is your root. He is the trunk of your tree. And if you want to produce any of these good fruits we're talking about here today, then you've got to enter into relationship with Jesus. And if you are in relationship with Jesus, then your job is to remain in relationship with Jesus. Why? Because the world is always pulling you away, right? 
trying to steer you away and distract you away from a relationship with Christ. And some people say, you know, I'm not producing, producing good fruit in my life. It could be because you're not abiding with Jesus. You've been pulled away by something in your life. A relationship, a job, a temptation, something in your life has ripped you away from him and you are not in an intimate relationship with him. You're not connected to him and you should have no surprise about why there's no good fruit in your life. So in order to bear good fruit, first and foremost, we must be connected to Jesus. We must remain connected to Jesus. Second, in order to bear good fruit, we must be pruned. And this is a hard one. You ever been pruned? How does it feel? Does it feel good? No. I have these like images in my mind when I trim my bushes. I hear like little screams, you know. <laughs> that hurts. It, it, it's a painful process. And yet, in that same passage, Jesus said, every branch of mine that bears fruit, he prunes. Did you catch that there? Every branch in me that is bearing fruit, not the one that isn't bearing fruit, the one that is bearing fruit, in other words, is connected, is abiding, is remaining, he still prunes. He says, every branch of mine that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? That it may bear more fruit. Because his desire is that you bear more and more, that the produce of your lives would increase. There would be more good fruits coming out of your life. That's his desire. Now, here's the thing about pruning, and this is really important. When you prune up a plant or a tree, you're not always pruning the dead stuff. Sometimes you have to prune the good stuff too. The seemingly healthy branches that might look good, but they're not producing well enough. And so many times we have to trim back a bush or a tree severely. Why? So the bush or the tree can come back and do even better. And we wonder why our lives are sometimes painful and why God would ever prune us. But this lets us into a little bit of a, kind of a peek behind the curtain that Jesus does prune our lives, even the healthy stuff, the good stuff. Why? Because there's better stuff. He wants more for you. And it's, a, it's revelatory to realize, okay, wait a second. If God wants me as a healthy tree to bear more fruit, even though I'm bearing some fruit, he's going to prune in my life. He's going to rip out the dead stuff and the live stuff to be able to cause growth in my life, to produce more fruit. So this is a really important principle. Third, and this is the one people forget and doesn't get talked a lot about in church. In order to bear fruit, you must also be patient. Bearing fruit requires patience. And that's hard because we are not a patient people, are we? We are a here and now society. We want it yesterday, right? Everything now that's being invented is better, faster, smaller. Everything is just going faster and faster. And if the fact is, it's leaving us in its wake. And so waiting for things is not our forte. We're not good at waiting for things. And yet when it comes to bearing fruit, specifically good fruit, guess what you got to do? you got to be patient. you got to be patient. Jesus said in Luke chapter 8, verse 15, in that famous passage, 
And this often gets overlooked. In that famous passage on the seed being cast on the ground, and there's thorns and there's rocks and there's the hard soil and the soft soil. In verse 15, he says something very interesting. Jesus said, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and here it is, and bear fruit with patience. That's verse 15 of Luke chapter 8. Bearing fruit with patience. And he says something very important there. Understand that it takes patience to bear fruit. You are not going to bear fruit overnight. It isn't going to happen right away. And so what happens in churches? People come and they meet Jesus. And what do we do? Time to bear fruit. Get out there, right? What are you doing? Like, you know, let's get this show on the road. Or even worse, we come to Christ and we're so hard on ourselves. We say, where's my fruit? I, I, I came to Jesus last year and I'm still waiting. Why is my life not producing good fruit? And then we really come down hard on ourselves. And we come down hard on others. And judgmentalism, like what's taking so long? Come on, man. It's very interesting that Jesus said we bear fruit with patience. Years ago, when we bought our first house, it was way up north at uh, Cave Creek and Deer Valley, way out in the boondocks. Well, it used to be the boondocks. And so this was over 20 years ago. Uh, our first house that we bought was a teeny tiny little house up there that was about maybe five, mm, it, was, it, was, it was four or five years old. And it was a tiny little place, and we were thrilled to move in, though. And one of the things about the house was even after being there five, six years, um, the backyard was completely vacant, like it was just all dirt. And so uh, it was interesting, though, because in the backyard, there was nothing at all, literally just dirt, except in the very middle of the yard, there was a lone lemon tree. And we always, like we moved in, we thought, well, that's really weird. Why would you put a lemon tree in and nothing else? And then secondly, why would you put a lemon tree in the middle of the yard? <laughs> so like, Lord forbid you ever want to put a pool in or something, right? Like, why would you put a lemon tree in the center of the yard and nothing else? It never made any sense to me. And yet, when we moved in, we thought, well, at least, at the very least, we don't have a yard, but we have a lemon tree. And so let's get ready to make some lemonade, right? And so we waited and waited and waited for the lemon tree to produce lemons, we lived in that house for five years. And only in the last three months before we moved out did it begin to bear lemons. Five years. Who knew? I had no idea until we experienced it that it normally takes a citrus tree like a lemon tree at least three to five years to even begin to sprout fruit. And it opened my eyes. And I thought, well, now I have new eyes to look at Scripture. That is really interesting. And so when Jesus and the apostles talk about the bearing of fruit, and they talk about in terms of having patience, maybe they're saying it takes a while for fruit to come. That if we are the tree and we're bearing the fruit, then maybe it just takes some time for it to happen. And then it hit me. Bearing fruit is the, it is the product of maturity. Trees don't begin bearing fruit, at least edible fruit, until they are nurtured and cared for and they are mature. 
So time out here. Let's take a break. Stop and think about this. All that worry and anxiety about where's the fruit in my life and where's the fruit in my people? Where's the fruit in my small group? Where's the fruit in our church? When you start getting anxious about that and you want to get judgmental towards yourself and other people, stop and realize that the bearing of good fruit takes time. It is a manifestation of maturity in someone's life. God knows that. Jesus knows that. In fact, there's a very interesting parable in Luke chapter 13. In Luke chapter 13, I'll just paraphrase it for you. There's an over, uh, overlooked passage in there, and it's the parable of the barren fig tree. And that parable goes like this. It's about an owner of a field who plants a fig tree in his vineyard. And the owner comes back three years in a row and doesn't find any fruit on the fig tree. And he gets frustrated. Why is there no fruit on this fig tree? And he gets upset about it. And the vine dresser comes along and says, time out. Let me explain to you how this works. And the owner of the field is annoyed and saying, this tree's not producing any figs. Cut it down. Throw it in the fire. It's useless to me. And the vine dresser says, that's not how it works. I'm asking you, give me more time. It's only three years old. Literally, it says, give me another year to care and nurture and fertilize this tree. And then you come back a year from now. If it's not producing fruit, then you can cut it down and throw it in the fire. Give me more time. Do you know who the vine dresser is in the parable? Jesus. Jesus understands, as he is the vine dresser, that he's nurturing, caring for, providing, fertilizing us preparing us to produce good works, good deeds, good character, good fruit. He's doing it. And he's pleading with the father who is the owner of the field. Father, as the mediator, give me more time for them. Give them more time to produce good fruit in their lives. And the principle there is very profound. Is that sometimes to bear good fruit, you got to be patient. God is patient. Jesus is patient. Maybe we need to be patient with each other and with ourselves. So here's my point this morning. I want to wrap it up with a thought. There are three ingredients to become a healthy tree in order that you might bear good fruit. And we just hit on all three of them. But I want to sum them up with three words. What every one of us needs as trees in order to produce good fruit are three things. The first is grace. The second is truth. And the third, guess what? It's time. Time. Some of us need more grace. When it comes to bearing good fruit in our lives, I don't know about your background. I don't know about your experience and your walk with Christ, but some of us grew up in very legalistic environments. We're pretty much we're mandated to, to do it right Maybe you grew up in a performance-based household and you were raised under a hard you know, mother and a father or a church and they pressed on you and it was all about truth, 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 truth and you got very little grace and then you wonder today, why am I not producing fruit in my life? Maybe it's because what you need most right now is grace. We need grace. God gives us grace and we need grace from one another and we need to give grace to ourselves. So for some of you, the problem is that you're not either accepting 
You're not giving grace. Grace is what makes us grow. It's what makes us healthy. And the grace comes through Christ. And it comes through others. Secondly, truth. Some of us need truth. Maybe you grew up in a free flying environment where everything was acceptable and there were no rules and no boundaries and you could do no wrong and no one ever seemed to set those rules and parameters for you and maybe what you're starving for is not so much the grace but you need more truth you need direction you need instruction and so if that's where you are and that's what's preventing you from producing good fruit then you need more of the scripture you need to read and study the word of God You need to learn to feed from it. You need to saturate your heart and soul with the scriptures and good sermons and teachings and books and all things you can get your hands on to be able to feed you truth so that you have the tools to be able to produce good fruits. But then third, many others of us simply need more time. We need more time. With that lemon tree in my backyard, I could have, I could have tried to force it to produce fruit. Right? I, could, I could have tried different things. Like, for example, I could have said, lemon, 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 right? Come on, come on, tree. You can do it. Come on. It's not going to make it produce fruit, is it? Or I could do the guilt thing. Come on, tree. If you really loved me, then you would produce some fruit because I'm thirsty. Come on, tree, you're letting me down. You're not the kind of tree I thought you were. Sound judgmental? Does that produce fruit? No. I could have gotten some therapy. Hey, come on, fruit tree, let me introduce you to this counselor here. I, tree, you know what? You're just having a hard time. Let's just, let's just encourage you. Let's talk about your issues. Let's, let's work through the hard stuff in your life. And maybe once you overcome those difficulties, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll transcend this and you'll produce some fruit. That's not going to work either. I can go and I can strangle the tree, right? And stinking tree, produce some fruit. You know what I mean? Is that going to work? No. What do I have to do? The answer is nourish it, care for it, prune it, and wait for it. That's how the good fruit comes. That's exactly what God does for us. And so for some of you, you need more grace. And what you need is some water. You need some loving care, some TLC. Or maybe you just need some sunshine in your life. Others of you need truth. And maybe what you need then is some pruning. And Jesus said he'll give you that pruning if you want it. And he'll produce more fruit in your life. So you, you, you accept that pruning even when it hurts and when it's hard. But then others of us, we're being pruned. And we're receiving God's grace. We're willingly accepting it, but we're just waiting for good fruit to come. And so I want to encourage you to stop beating yourself down. Stop judging yourself and judging each other. The fruit that comes from the healthy tree will come when the tree becomes healthy. So instead of focusing on producing fruit, focus on becoming healthy. Focus on connecting to Christ. Focus on letting him work in your life. Focus on waiting on him to produce the fruit that will come as you grow. Take the pressure off. 
This is my prayer for you today. I think so many Christians, we come to churches like this and we feel so frustrated because there's not enough good fruit in our lives. And we get frustrated with other people who aren't producing enough fruit. And we get frustrated with our church because our church isn't producing enough fruit. And I want to encourage you all just to stop and slow down and realize who's really in control here. Whose field is it? And who's the vine dresser? Our only job is to let him work. Let him work and let's wait. And so I want to encourage you individually. I want to encourage you corporately. At Phoenix Bible Church, God is clearly on the move here. It's going to be exciting to see what he's going to do. And the fruit that's going to come through this church is going to be amazing. But you know what, though? You've got to be patient. You've got to be patient. And for the rest of you who are just waiting and waiting and waiting, understand it takes years for a tree to become mature. And here's the thing, too. Even when a tree bears fruit, it takes a while for the fruit to ripen, doesn't it? You ever try to eat an orange when it first sprouts on the tree? How does that taste? you got to wait. And then secondly, there's only seasons, right? I know with my orange tree, it produces fruit twice a year. And the rest of the year, I'm doing what? I'm waiting. There are seasons of fruit production, good fruit, where fruit is flowing and coming. And then there are seasons where you're waiting. It's just growing. So I just want to encourage you all today, as you look at a passage like this, understand that Jesus is challenging us to consider what good fruit is and how it's produced. And his challenge to you and me is to focus on getting healthy, being a healthy tree that God can grow his fruit on. Does that make sense? Does that encourage you today? I hope so. Can I pray for you in this regard? I have to. I'm out of time. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for the truth that we read here today about bearing fruit. Father, we do want to bear good fruit. We long to bear the good fruit that comes by your Spirit in our lives. Father, we know that we need to be connected to you, to you, Jesus, to to trust you, to be connected to you, to stay with you, to listen to you, to let you prune our lives. Father, I pray that we would be patient. Father, for those of us today that need more grace, I pray that we would receive it. We know that your grace is sufficient and there's enough of it. Father, those who have been beaten down by guilt or by legalism or by judgment, I pray today that you would give them the grace they need to begin bearing good fruit. Father, for those who need truth, I pray that you would give them your truth, that you would drive it into their soul, that they would know what your word says. And that they would begin to bear good fruit because you've taught them your truth. Father, for the rest of us, Lord, I pray that we would be patient with ourselves, patient with others, as we wait for the fruit to come. Father, for Phoenix Bible Church, I pray that you would just produce more and more good fruit, Lord. I pray that many would come to Jesus and grow here that lives would be transformed, and that love, Lord, would be shared among your sons and daughters. But, Father, we know it takes patience. And so, Father, I pray that this church would focus on being healthy, first and foremost. And then from that health, good fruit will come. Give us patience to wait until it does. We pray this in Christ's name. And God's people say,